If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lee. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself the Wire. Hey, the Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Just want to give a quick shout out up top to a Vince, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Michael Foster, $100 patron. Bro, that's great. One, I mean, listen, we cannot be bought, but I would encourage everyone <laughs> to try nonetheless. Yes, we can be bought. Um, I remember at one point during the Sopranos rewatch, uh, there was a, a bit of a bidding war to uh, to buy us. Um, and I think at some point it got to like 400, 500. It was some ridiculous amount. So um, I'm going to encourage that again uh, because I. Uh, because I liked it. It felt good. I enjoyed money and I would like more of it in my life. So, uh, patreon.com slash broadcast. So please, you know, anyways, Michael Foster, thank you so much. Uh, Michael will... Foster. Great job. We welcome yeah. it. I will do sexual things to you. All right. Today we're going to be talking about from season two of The Wire, episode six, all prologue. Uh, and our guest today uh, is a fantastic stand-up comedian. Uh, I know him from the Bay Area. We did stand-up together. Super funny guy. Everyone, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, Trevor Joyner. Hey. Wait, y'all got like no little clap sound effects? I was, no, see, I I was got, doing it, it and I was like, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I got that. Okay. Hey, <laughs> now we talking? Okay, I feel better. This is I good. Do, I realize that <laughs> in the way I do intros, it does seem like there should be an applause that's happening. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's yeah, my bad. Because like if this was like, if we was doing stand up, I would have definitely bombed after that yeah. intro that's, that's oh yeah funny. yeah that was one of the worst <laughs> yeah I'm, i've never been good at this but you know hey <laughs> one guy gave us a hundred dollars so i can't be that shitty hey, at it um yeah, yeah yeah you're making money i'm making money that's all that matters uh so trevor do you like the wire yes 
Sick. I love right. The Wire. Interview <laughs> over. Okay. But first, I got a question. Yeah. For both of y'all. Yes. Why do white people love The Wire? Have y'all been asked that yet? Have y'all asked no, y'all that yet? No. Oh, this is where we start right there, baby. What's up? No, I need that... to know. Why do you think white people love The Wire? Okay, I have I have multiple theories about this. Uh, it's uh, on HBO. Hey, we you love have to speak for all. Both of you have to speak for all white people. Well, first of all, we I, love I just... we love premium cable. We like we to love uh, we like to we hate commercials, <laughs> but we love yeah. paying extra for we love paying uh, extra for, for more cable. elite content. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. This is good. And it's also uh, we like to we like to uh, like things that have already happened like we can't appreciate things in their own time like we like to yeah we really like to like things about five years after they came out which i think yeah okay yeah okay this is this is making sense fashion a lot of things yeah i'm I'm thinking (laughs) yeah we like to be late to the game Mm -hmm. and then we like to appropriate okay so okay yeah yeah yeah. can't forget about appropriation yeah half of this is just me doing uh colonialism that, that's 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 most of this is i'm just trying to colonize no, uh black entertainment it's so funny because anytime the wire comes up it always comes up from white people for me yeah. like i never i never black people like so you remember like on the wire it's always a white dude that catch you in a corner and he like so episode three and i'm like <laughs> why do you know this it's, it's the wire and wu-tang those two things yes. always is like what's going on yeah no wu-tang for sure white people definitely uh were like Excuse they can't get me. enough of it. That's mine now. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but uh, no, it's because yeah, it's a cop I show, but it's wire, like, man. you know, it's like, uh, it's the acceptable cop show to like, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That's true. I can see that. I think it's also white people, or I mean, speaking for myself, uh, this was probably the first honest look at um, policing that we'd ever seen on TV. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy because like, you know, we grew up at a time when, or at least I grew up at a time in LA where there was like, you know, the LA riots and the Rodney King beating and fucking the Rampart scandal and all this like crazy shit about the police. But I all kind of thought it was like, you know, well, it's like, yeah, like Training Day. You know, it was like, it was a movie to me. (laughs) It was all kind of just like, Yeah. yeah, you know, a few bad apples kind of thing. Um, right. And then, uh, you know, watching The Wire was the first time I was like, I think I realized that there was uh, that as an institution, the police are completely fucked. Like it's it's not even about right. like cops are um, all like evil ghouls who are, you know, trying to uh, to do Nazi shit. It's that the, the system encourages them to basically be. Um, the ghouls that all cops are, um, or many, many cops are. Uh, and so I think for me as a white dude, I was like, oh, I, I understand a little bit more now why uh, the police are bad. So that, I guess that's on on my and on my level oh, that's a but. that's a good ass answer that's good i think it's the show <laughs> that's what you said, got because that was that was real good i'll be honest i don't I don't know if you can follow that that was good yeah <laughs> uh well we've always said that this show at its heart is about hating your boss and uh right. that's why it's always <laughs> it's always spoken to me uh you know it's about a bunch of people who uh they they're trying to do their uh, most of their motivation is to stick it to the bosses and uh yeah yeah and everyone yeah, loves that yeah. about it I think why, that, why do you like the wire? Yeah. 
Um, so first, the wire is just um even still, like right now, it's probably one of the best written shows for television, mm. like ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. ever. And that's and that's a big statement to say, you know. Okay, yeah. so my experience with the wire goes, I actually watched the wire like late. Mm-hmm. I came in maybe I feel like I was like in high school. So the wire came out like what, two thousand four or five? Two thousand two, right? Early two yeah. thousands, right? Yeah, two thousand two. Okay, so I yeah. started with the corner. Have y'all watched the corner? No, I actually I've never I've never seen the corner. I know I should. Okay, watch it. so the yeah the the corner is almost like the prequel for right. the wire, right? You know, because that was the first book that they that they wrote, which yeah. was kind of like the book was almost felt like a in your face documentary where they were yeah. going around Baltimore. You know what I mean? So I saw the corner first, and I was like blown away at how raw it was yeah. you know like i remember watching it on hbo like i i never saw something on tv that reflected my actual environment so yeah. closely that it was a little scary i was like wait is yeah. this i didn't know how to feel about it. i was really um young you know what i mean that was the corner so i was like that shit was just like it was almost like it was perfect but almost too much i was like this is a lot like it felt like um <laughs> remember when hbo used to do those like uh everything they did was kind of like real it was like real sex or yeah, real, yeah, yeah. everything was like really yeah, like yeah. y'all just got people with cameras going around doing shit that you probably not supposed to do you right. know what i mean yeah, yeah that's what the corner felt for me like so i remember it was when like I the taxi cab the confessions Wire. It was yes, like taxi, taxi cab confessions. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, wait, what? How is this? My fucking head exploded, dog. Right. <laughs> so when I saw The Wire, it was that same shit for me. And what I did, I watched The Wire over a summer. Mm. I was like, okay, everybody said you got to watch The Wire. This is like when uh, you first could get like bootleg links on a computer, you know yeah. what I mean? To watch yeah, a yeah, series yeah. or something. I had no cable, no, okay, I'm going to get the box set, DVDs, none of that shit. Yeah, yeah. I like fired up my laptop and I just like bookmarked every single season nice. and an episode. And I watched that shit through the summer and I was like enthralled, like this is yeah. crazy. So yeah. I love it because it's a really great written TV show. And like you said, it does things that other shows didn't do, which is like really puts the cops in a different light. Like you're saying, yeah. from a systematic perspective, yeah. you get to see that. But also they go into the drugs hard, yeah. you know what I mean? In a way yeah. that wasn't like, you know, like what was on TV at the time. It was like, this is a, this because it's not I wouldn't say that it's a drug show. It's more of a cop show than anything, you yeah. know. But it's like what they was doing with the drugs and and man, it was just like it was just too real. And I was like, I can't believe this shit is on TV. You yeah, know what I mean, because it was. And I think that, and I was actually telling a comic about this who's from Baltimore. I was like, the some of the best shows are about Baltimore, but they're all depressing. And that's why I was trying to figure out why do white people love this shit? The Corner, The yeah. Wire. Uh, they made a new show over like last summer. They did. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we own the what city. Uh, we own the city. Yeah. yeah. We own the city. Amazing. De- yeah. Depressing. You know what I'm saying? Like all this shit is just like. Yeah. There's not a happy show. Uh, there's, there's no happy show about Baltimore <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> We're gonna make it on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were watching The Wire the first time around, um, uh, I remember when I was messaging you, you said you'd, you've you now seen it uh, a, like a couple of times, right? I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. So the, your, the first time around, um, like this 
is probably the most contra- one of the most controversial seasons in its run season two at the docks um okay, okay. Uh, did did what were your initial thoughts like when you when you first watched it were you someone so, here's the thing about season two for me i feel like and the wire as a whole but specifically season two i was like how the fuck are is it this many storylines you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like i never experienced that on tv where it's like you know you get where they're switching so much. And that's another great thing that it does. It gives you like six or seven storylines that's tied in. And I never seen something like that on television. So when I first saw season two, it was a little like, "Mm, this shit might not be good, you know, because I wasn't used to that style of storytelling where we're kind of going to start in a different place than what you really left off at. Right. Right. With the whole, the whole, the whole docs thing. You know what I mean? Because the first season, it just felt like, yo, we in the hood. This is what this is about. Right. And then I'm like, why are we by the water? (laughs) You know what I mean? I just wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't understanding any of that shit. Yeah. Why are there boats now? Yeah. I was like, human trafficking. I was like, I'd never heard of that shit before. I was like, wait, they got the women in the, where are the drugs? Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, they just making shit up now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because that's the thing that I think that The Wire does, too, is really gives you an education on all sort, like a different perspective of crime that even if you think you know about something, yeah. they kind of did some other shit. Because I've seen prostitution and all that shit. I didn't know what the fuck human trafficking was. I was yeah. like, nobody's in a fucking crate and, you know, being fed. Yeah, shit. most shows that stop with the lies. Yeah. Most shows only want the sexy parts of whatever the crimes are. And The Wire is right. like, no, Ex- yeah, we're exactly. going to tell you exactly how the cans get from one place to another and right. uh, exactly yeah, I was like, exactly who does hell? it and what unions are involved. You're like, Holy shit. Okay. Which is pretty bold to do, yeah. I think, as as writers doing TV, because it's not like now where if you do some different shit, you're like immediately celebrated for it. It's like, right. this was different back then. It was like, you know, all the other shows, sex, drugs, and murder were done on a procedural type way you know what yes. i mean it was like yes. you know blue blood like those types of old cop shows yeah. and all that shit was done like all right but at the end we got the bad guy right you know? yeah that was like there the bread was and no butter. like well yeah. this guy's the bad guy but he had good reasons you know right what I mean? yeah the wire makes yeah. you feel really conflicted about shit like how, how you feel about certain things you know what yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent it definitely like yeah and i do think it is bold and i know that like from reading some uh of the like histories of the wire like it more i mean they were they've been trying to cancel that show at the end of every season of that show they really? tried to can- <laughs> yeah and every season just like that. they barely hung yeah. on and uh and yeah you know which is great glad they did um but all right let's get into the uh, this is this is a podcast about the wire and uh in order to start the podcast we must first of course play the theme song when you pod the garden you got a pod well i beg your pod <laughs> walk the street podcast if you pod with jesus He's gonna save the docks. You gotta keep the Polish <laughs> down in the hole. Season two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else today. 
Like I said, we're going to be talking about from season two of The Wire, episode six, all prologue. And this episode came out July 6, 2003. Vince, can you please break us off a little piece of that synopsis? Sure. I love to read synopsises that you definitely didn't write yourself. Mm hmm. This week on The Wire, McNulty fucks his wife. That's right. That's what happens in this episode. Then a couple of other things. That's um, the important yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, but that's the important thing. Good for that disgusting little Irish man. Um, so, Vince, what was happening at the time that this episode came out? That's right, Matt. We, uh, we're evaluating art, and we need cultural context to evaluate mm -hmm. that art. And I'm going to put some of that context back in with a little something we like to call the back-in-the-day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back-in-the-day machine tells the tale, son. Yeah. That's right. We're going all the way back to July 6th, 2003 today mm -hmm. on the back-in-the-day machine. Uh, some of the things that were going on, uh, SARS declared to be contained around the world. SARS? That's right. SARS. Uh, the World what? Health Organization declared Saturday that SARS had been contained around the world with no new cases reported to the agency by any country since June 15th, but warned that the disease could still pose a threat. Uh, so this was, it's fun. Like SARS was the, uh, what did it stand for again? It's something like uh, super Asian. <laughs> Oh no! Sorry. <laughs> no, wasn't there? Wasn't there one that was like super? It was like Asian something. Uh, SARS or severe acute respiratory syndrome has infected eight thousand four hundred fifty-nine yeah, people not, in thirty countries <laughs> on five continents and has killed eight hundred and twelve people. Well, I'm sorry. What am I thinking? Am I crazy? What am I thinking of? Wasn't there one that had like Asian? I guess Asian flu was that maybe bird flu? Was, yeah, I don't know, man. There was a time I when I can't I'm not, out of this one. No, okay. There was a time <laughs> when it was. It didn't say severe Asian. I <laughs> no, guarantee. Well, no. You know what? I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, I got it. I know what I'm thinking of. I know what I'm thinking of. Uh, okay. MERS, right? Because mm. Middle East respiratory syndrome. Uh huh. Okay. I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm not. I'm not crazy. Yeah. There was a time. So a, little, a little softer on the the racism. A, but yeah, you know, just a little bit. But. Uh. Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that <laughs> yeah. reminds me of now, because now we have uh, SARS-CoV-2, the mm. sequel. Um, yeah, everybody loves sequels. Little upgrade, uh, little upgrade. Yeah. Speaking of sequels, these days, you know, we're all worried about inflation. But back in 2003, we had a headline going something like, deflation threat faint but worrisome. Deflation. Uh, for generations, Americans have been writing inflation to a better life. They get a job, buy a house, and over time accumulate wealth as wages and home values climb. But what if prices started going down, triggering deflation instead of inflation? A growing number of economists, even the Federal Reserve, are worrying about that possibility. Many don't expect it to happen, but for the first time in most people's memory, the prospect of deflation is a legitimate concern, experts say. So, um, wow. yeah. De deflation is when your money that you have is gets less gets is less worth value. more yeah it's, well yeah it's no because like it's it, it's wait it's bad when it, you're uh when you're paying off a debt and the money that you're paying off the debt keeps getting valuable more valuable that would be a bad it's a bad thing oh wait, uh, 
I'm confused because I know inflation is when your money is worth less and less. Yeah. And prices are higher. Things and go, prices yeah, are higher. higher. And deflation right. is when your money is worth more. How is that? Isn't that better? No, no, it's I'm bad. Not a, I'm not an economist. It's but bad for when you borrow. <laughs> okay. Deflation that, yeah, is sure. a long period of falling prices that leads to lower profits, lower wages, and fewer jobs. It feeds upon itself with consumers and businesses reluctant to spend or borrow, and the economy languishes. Okay, yeah, but but... They're like, hey, no, uh, you know, y there's less profits. It's like, well, yeah, there's you, you're making less dollars, but the dollar is worth more. So yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but the dollar is is going further though, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you're not making as much, but you also don't have to spend as much. If, if my right? if my one dollar bill is, is like five dollar bill, then I want my then I uh, yeah. listen. The point of my money brain is, is hurting, that is dog. that when people spend more of it, and so when people stop spending as much of it, because they're like. If it's going to be worth more tomorrow, you're going to hold on to it. And then people are spending mm. less, and that's bad. Just generally. Okay. All right. Yeah. You get it? Well, you get it now? Okay. Well, that's good, because we're moving on to <laughs> a, a, a suicide team uh, that struck. I'm sorry. Did you a, say a suicide team? That's what they. This is that's how the Miami Herald chose to write this headline. Don't ask me why. <laughs> suicide. Team of, suicide team strikes in Moscow. It, are you talking about like a suicide squad? Mm. Yeah. I think Wait. That what's was a copyrighted. suicide? You explain. You explain. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. Yeah. I mean, it should be a squad. A squad is two, right? I don't know. A squad is, I assume, yeah. three or more. Two women strapped with explosives blew themselves up at a Moscow rock festival crowded with tens of thousands of fans Saturday, killing at least 14 people, officials said. Uh, oh, that, so that's uh, a literal... They should have called them a duo. Yeah, yeah they, suicide duo. duo. Mm -hmm. Oh, but you know what? I a think, duo I think side. If <laughs> I think if it's not... Uh, <laughs> I think if, if they were sent on assignment, that's what makes them a squad, though. Like, if they yeah, did it themselves... Yeah, yeah. We're a duo, but like if we have a boss, that's a squad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's either way, not enough of them, girls. Yeah, dude, suicide girls. That's yeah. those are the. See, that's kind of where I thought we were going with. I thought this was going to be a sexy story. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, it was like suicide team. They're going to be like uh, like mountain bikers or something. But no, you you meant literal suicide. Yeah. A, a literal duo. Yeah, yeah, literal duo side. So wait, why? Why they do that? Uh, Chechen separatists, supposedly, oh. or so Putin would have you believe. Okay, yeah, yeah. I I low key remember the Chech Chechnya thing. That was that was like uh, that was the Russian war on terror. Yeah, that was Putin's. Uh, that was how he he sort of rose to power, being the being the guy who was tough on Chechnya. He just like murdered a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Other news: uh, Denver rejects ban on restaurant smoking. Remember, remember restaurant smoking. I I I remember a little bit when I would go out of state as a kid. There was like, or no, actually, when I was a little kid, there was smoking section and a non-smoking. Yeah, section. they still had smoking when we were kids. That's right. Yeah, uh, Denver, yes. the yeah, Mile High City, might have lots of physically fit, health-conscious hikers and bikers, but it is way behind such cities as New York, Boston, and Dallas when it comes to cracking down on smoking. Last week, the city council scrapped a proposed ban on smoking in restaurants after the council president, a smoker, 
said a public hearing would be a waste of time. That's wow, bias. They really called him out on that one, dude. That is some, that is some fucking, people can be bought. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, that person is clearly bought by big. Yeah, Nicotine. Patreon page. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, <laughs> Bands and restaurants and even bars have been approved in about a hundred cities and towns across the nation, according to the anti-smoking group Americans for Non-Smokers Rights. However, the trend seems largely confined to the Northwest and West Coast. Just four states, California, Delaware, New York, and Florida, ban smoking in restaurants. Connecticut will, be, will join the list in October and Maine in January. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real with you. Um, what was the name of that, um, that group? Americans for Non-Smokers Rights. Okay, I, I'll, here's if I'm being completely honest. Um, and I'm I'm someone who like I think it's good that um, people aren't allowed to just smoke cigarettes, um, you know, in a restaurant. Every people are trying to eat. Like I I get that that is annoying. Sure, making that your thing, making yeah, that like like twenty years too late. Yeah, making your that mission. your mission where you're like I'm gonna <laughs> join this group called non smokers rights or whatever. Uh, yeah. that is the lamest shit I think I've ever heard. Like, that, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but there's ad? like I think they still have those truth ads. Now, God, wait, so is it is it lame? Is it lame now or like 2003 brain? I think I think both both times. It's it's like, <laughs> like like now I would be like, what more do you want? You literally can only smoke in your own house. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right. They like ban it in parks in a lot of places, and that's like, right. Come on, all right. You right. Really, yeah, you're just like if you're, you're going out, if you're outside, now. let people smoke. Yes. Um. But yeah. uh, so now it's not it's not just lame, but it's like there's something wrong with you. Like you're yeah, you're you're, a, it's like the busybodies association. You're a secret fascist or something. Yeah. <laughs> but back then yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's well, weird. What are you getting off on? Right, exactly. Like you're getting off on like watching like a sad person who's like literally slowly killing themselves, having to walk back into to their home to do it. Like that's so it's so mean. Whereas like <laughs> in 2003, it's like I I get I under like I said I understand pushing people towards like hey let's not you know have uh, people smoking you know inside restaurants. There's kids there. We don't want all them to breathe in all the smoke. I get it, but making that your cause you're suspect immediately. I'm like, there's, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you. That, that is the, like, there's, there's a war and terror going on. I don't know, dog. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I agree. Okay. Sick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want more? Okay. Well, I got one more story there. Okay. There are these two, uh, 29 year old Iranian Siamese twins. Uh, they are sick. The, uh, is that a squad or a duo? Uh, I guess. <laughs> well, for now the they're a little bit. I think. Yeah, yeah, they're ble they are okay. blurring that line. It's a Siamese squad. Um, <laughs> squad. <laughs> so uh, they some doctors began the two to four day uh, separation surgery uh, in Singapore. Uh, one of the surgeons was actually Ben Carson. Um, oh yeah. yeah. At one point they. They found this uh, nest of blood vessels that they could not see in the initial scans. And Ben mm -hmm. Carson wanted to call the operation off. Uh, they did not call it off. He was overruled. Uh, they ended up dying. So 
That was oh cool. Oh, fun story. <laughs> fun yeah. story, Vince. So, yeah. This is really I I vaguely remember this story. Yeah. One, it's just funny to remember that like Ben Carson had a real job. Yeah. That's one thing that's funny. <laughs> like, oh yeah, the, the surgeon dude. I forgot yeah. he used to do that, right? Yeah. And I just I feel like back then people were still amazed by Siamese twins. Like you would see them everywhere. Do you remember that? Like they were like on the Jerry Springer show. Yeah. Ricky Lake. Like back in the day, it was like a thing, like not just regular twins, Siamese twins. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like, I'm it still was, amazed that's a by real tooth. <laughs> I just feel like it was just like so unheard of and it was always like a over story or something about it like was, them getting separated. I saw 100%. it all the time though. It was like the the it was like a I don't know, like a turn of the turn of the millennium like uh modern freak show where where people yeah, would yeah, just yeah. be like, "Look at these fucking weirdos." And it was and yeah, they would do it, was it just like a thing. It was a thing. There was like there was that movie about it, like Siamese twins. It was like what was next the movie? to Yes. It was called Stuck on Me. Oh, it was like okay, yeah, sure. Greg Kinnear yes, and yeah. Matt Damon are stuck I together. This. Yeah, and it's then, like, oh, that was so fucking like when you think back to it, like, yeah, that was a weird little you, you know, like you look back on your old clothes, like, why was I wearing this? Like, why was we obsessed with that back then? That was some weird <laughs> shit going yeah. on, like That's our true. little twin obsession. You don't hear about Siamese <laughs> twins anymore. Maybe yeah, they, they got played out. I'm sure yeah. they still here. I mean, but I'm just, still interested. I feel it, bad for them. They was like, we used to be the shit. Dude, that if you show me some Siamese <laughs> twins, I'll be like, yeah, give them a TLC show. I'm still interested. Yeah. Oh, yes. TLC. No. Yeah, Everybody that was true. obsessed over fucking Siamese so, twins. I wonder if like if it came like if it came back in fashion now, um, you would it, number one, you couldn't call them Siamese twins anymore. I'm sure that that's that's, no, that's that gets you canceled fly. yeah there's no way and you, and you damn sure can't do a movie about them if you're not one of them that's yeah exactly 100 yeah attached, that's not happening oh it, that's a uh attached at birth face uh yeah it's like oh there are real <laughs> siamese twin actors out here yeah that you're still in roles from motherfucker well one of them is an actor the other one really just doesn't yeah. want <laughs> It's a a tick a TikToks. Yeah, the the other one's like really wants to get their degree in business, but the first one wants right. to be an actor. It's like, oh, we no, we gonna do this movie. I mean, the pronouns <laughs> you know, you know, were they them though. So, oh my god, <laughs> hit the balls, baby! Oh hit my the god, the gods will not save you. All right, uh, thank you, Pharrell. <laughs> god damn, I don't think anyone's beating that one. Vince. Nah, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, they actually, so they actually died on the hundredth anniversary of the death of Chang and Eng, the twins that from Siam, who the term Siamese twin. Oh, the original, yeah. the original, the OG, the OG Siamese, the OGs, twins. the OTs, yeah. yeah, the OGs. I wonder if there is. I'm sorry to keep talking about Siamese twins, but um, <laughs> it's coming back. Oh, three. Well, because you see, especially nowadays, like on on Twitter and like on all social media, there's like more and more kind of like uh, uh, more and more vocal uh, activists uh, in the disabled community. Uh, and mm. but you wonder, like, like, are the Siamese twins up on there? Do they are they considered disabled? I mean, some are right because they only got like half a face or something. And the other thing is I feel like, like it has to be a disability. 
Yeah, it I feel like it seems would have to be a disabling. I feel like this right? is a weird semantic avenue that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know, you know dude. why? Because I also feel like it's some Siamese twins that are. The fuck do you mean by that? We're not disabled motherfuckers. Yeah, we run. Know. We run hella fast. Um, yeah. <laughs> we will give yeah. you a four-armed ass whooping right now. Yeah, yeah we'll whoop your ass. Because that's damn. like the the dude that was the 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 MMA dude that don't have no legs that just wanna the fight mm-hmm. that fucks yeah. the dude up. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like. He's not somebody you want to call disabled. He just beats somebody ass. Yeah, I know, but him versus a pair of Siamese twins, like moving on they to would, the next topic. Okay, they, yeah. they would absolutely host that fight in Russia. They would absolutely <laughs> Siamese <laughs> twin versus a guy with no. In the, fact, the, some of there's a Russian the, writing this down right now. Who would run the social media <laughs> account? Is it both of them? Or anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so that's yeah. Next topic. Is that all? Is that all that happened? That's all that uh, happened. Yeah, nothing else happened oh. on uh, July six, two thousand three. So that was that's been the back in the day machine. Wonderful. So glad that we learned all of that. Um, real quick, I'm gonna play just a, a snippet of this week's uh, Balmer B stories, which takes us, uh, you know, a little song. It's a, it takes a little storyline from the episode and uh, make a song out of it. Um. I realized in doing this one um, that no one's going to know this song and people only know the music video. So since this is the Angelo Barksdale's last episode, I did um, Untitled by uh, D'Angelo. So here's a little (laughs) bit of that. It sounds like shit. Bye. He works at the library. Got a book that he's repaired. Ring. Some two comes closer to a baby, and he's already got deep right where he wants him, baby. Chokes him out and makes him hate. How does it feel? Anyways, so. <laughs> here's the thing it kind of slaps though that's why i'm mad like it's kinda, it's like it's just not bad enough <laughs> yeah i i should it gets worse uh especially since i only know kind of the beginning of the song and there's so much it's a seven minute song guys i yeah, i cut the he works at the library oh god thank you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you can hear the rest of that song at the end of the episode. Um, I, it's a radio edit, so there's only four minutes uh, of it, so mm-hmm. enjoy. But uh, like the song said, one of the storylines in this episode is um, it's D's last episode. D'Angelo Barksdale, <laughs> um, R.I.P. We, we, we hardly knew ye. Rest in peace to the homie. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was going to – I just thought that he was going to make it through more of the season. Me too. Me too. I, I just, I, re- I was like, he was just so good on the show. I yeah. was like, oh, he, like, I just felt like we was going to follow his whole journey. I didn't know it ended in a lot, was going to end in a lot. I just did predict that. I was like, nah, no, he's same. Be here. Same. It's, uh, I think it's like one of the more surprising, like, deaths on the show, um, because it, uh, because there was so much, I don't know. It felt like there was uh, so much left unsaid. There's so much more story that he could have had. There was just uh, it felt right. like there was more for him. But uh, Stringer no, disagreed. Yeah. Well, as soon as Avon says yeah. gives you like the tacit okay, then he's he's done. You're... I mean, 
it's also I, like yeah i mean that's go ahead sorry well, I was just going to say that, like, I'm not sure if Avon gave the tacit okay. I think Avon was just, like, saying, hey, you know, I did the best I could for him. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Um, I he don't the, think... How can I reach these kids thing? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and Stringer <laughs> was like, I don't know. <laughs> what if we only just kill him for you? Yeah. And I, I think it's Stringer is the one who was like, um, well, if Avon is, you know, if Avon's can't protect this kid anymore um that means we need protection from him so he uh he kills his ass and that's it's tough and that's man it's and then that last phone call with his mom you know like oh. on the phone it's just like uh -uh. yeah here's the thing and that's the other thing that you get with the wire that makes it a superior show too is mm. that you was getting like emmy nominated acting every episode like the, when you look yeah. back at these actors who who were already like hot shit then like his mm -hmm. mom was in all of those i forget her name and yeah. those shows but then you see her now and all the shit she's done and she's on like snowfall and everything i'm like yeah they were really acting their ass yeah. off like but that was a sign to the uh the writing of the show like it was like every yeah. episode could stand alone you know what I mean? yeah. yeah especially when you compare it to other stuff that was coming out around the same time I and mean, when you compare the wire to entourage like the acting is like falling off of a fucking cliff like <laughs> to entourage. i don't even know if that's a fair comparison i mean it's yeah. not because like the best actor in entourage is worse than the worst uh, the best actor in entourage is still worse than like the worst actor in the wire yeah and the wire is yeah. amazing in that it it, it uh combined like you know amazing actors like the guy who plays uh prop joe uh robert Chu. oh so good uh, so and, good and uh was it steve chris bauer mm -hmm. uh, uh who plays frank sabatka combine those with people who are not even actors like the the guy in the oh Marine yeah unit. that's what i was gonna say yeah that was i feel like that was that was their cheat code you know it was like we're going to yeah. bring you some of the best actors from the business and then this dude that works at the liquor store, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. merge them together. Yeah, I, I feel like he, they, Dave, was it David and Simon, whatever fuck they name, Dave is. Simon. They yeah. really started that, like getting actors that wasn't actually actors, and like, it's yeah. almost like some Dr. Dre shit. Like they was creating <laughs> yeah. a label of like, yeah. you know what I mean? It was like you don't see that a lot. Like, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, oh, man, the this entourage. is a regular motherfucker being <laughs> phenomenal. Entourage yeah. was taking people that had been actors since they were like eight <laughs> and uh, proving that they were still terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that is kind of the amazing thing about Entourage is that it uh, it made you realize that like, oh, you know. Um, it's not that acting it's is easy it's that being a bad actor is profitable as long as you know you've yeah. been groomed since entourage you were, was the only so. show was like if you did it it was like this might make your career go down actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true like, not a lot of people yeah. really came out of no. entourage yeah intact you the guy from entourage you go oh that's why he ain't did nothing else yeah and it was incredibly <laughs> successful like obama was talking about how much he liked entourage and not a single person from that show has like gotten more famous and, because of it and yeah. anyone who was famous already from that show like jeremy piven yeah he's had he to, was he's had to start doing stand-up <laughs> yeah, yeah that was like that's how bad it went for him he's like i'm a comedian now i was yeah, like, well, I was I like know <laughs> you falling off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> listen i had to follow jeremy piven and that's when i knew i was like oh man he on his last leg baby you at the dime on a tuesday night <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's right. And and of course, Adrian Grenier, uh, the guy who played Vinny Chase, um, I don't think he's done anything. Uh, and and then there was a guy, the guy who played E, he was like literally, wasn't he part you of the- You know how bad like, it's gone for Adrian Grenier? I saw a clip of him on a podcast like talking about uh, masculinity and oh, who <laughs> there was a sign that your Wait, career is not going any masculinity good. conversations yeah especially yeah. if like they say females a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah see with these females that's what you like oh shit going bad no he was Just more he's bad. more towards like the the hippy dippy end of the spectrum obviously but oh uh, he on the he's other still side. i mean okay. he's still talking about masculinity on a podcast which it's is... basically going from podcast to podcast um justifying him crying sometimes which is fine men oh, should cry yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, the storylines in this episode are uh, as follows. We have Omar witnessing. We have Kima's jealous wife. We have D dying in prison. McNulty giving up on his police work so that he can try to be with his wife. And we have Nikki uh, fixing Ziggy's problem and ending up uh, exactly where Ziggy wants to be, which yeah. is a drug dealer. I, so I, like the way I see this episode is uh, it's very much like a straightforward police procedural episode uh, mm-hmm. except it's interwoven with a sitcom called everybody loves omar and yes. Uh, <laughs> yes and it's probably like the most arguably the most memorable omar episode uh 100%. in the wire absolutely yeah it is absolutely uh michael k was so fucking charismatic yeah. and charming and i was like oh he's just doing stand up now like yeah. he's just yeah just <laughs> yeah on the stand from the sand no he's crushing it and and the 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 crazy thing about it is that like i agree completely everyone agrees like michael k williams is so charismatic so great such an interesting character and in the show they do this meta thing where everyone in the show also thinks he's charismatic and amazing and like it's so this this episode is just people being impressed with omar wherever mm-hmm. omar goes everyone's <laughs> yeah. like this guy's yeah. wild i mean cool. here's the thing he was so i mean to be a gay gangster at that time yeah was like what the fuck yeah you know yeah. like it's yeah. just it's just it's just it was just never seen it was never heard it was like how is this and and nobody had a problem with it yeah you know it wasn't like <clears throat> You know, there was no whole uh, gay agenda talk or anything yeah, like no. that. It was like, I mean, he be getting fucked in the ass, but then he started shooting people. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> no, the gangsters like, were trying which to talk. Which is proof that if you, yeah. that's what I'm saying, if you just put enough violence and shit, a yeah. lot of shit can just be permissible. They were yeah. trying to call I mean, him on it, but like, he was like, oh, I don't care. Really yes. Crazy. Like, I'm not, I feel no shame about this. So you can't. Yeah. So one of the things that I noticed on this rewatch that, uh, I mean, this is like my third or fourth wire rewatch. I never noticed uh-huh. this before, but the okay. jacket that Omar is wearing uh, yeah. is University of Hawaii. And I don't know mm. if you know, like the background on that, no. but uh, in 2000, this is a story from uh, 2000. University of Hawaii renames its team to avoid gay stigma. Uh, for 77 years, the rainbow has been the symbol and nickname for the University of Hawaii football team, spurred on by the rallying cry of Go Bows! More recently, the rainbow has become a symbol for gay pride, which the school's athletic director said was a factor in a decision to drop the rainbow from school logos and the football team's name. So, Wait, I what year was that? That was in 2000. So, so wait, wow. 
So that means Omar in the show is standing in solidarity with what? the Hawaiian, uh, with their like previous logo. Is that I don't what he's know, doing? No, because it just says Warriors. It doesn't say Rainbow Warriors on the on okay. the jacket, but it is. It does feel like a nod to the fact that uh, the gay stigma. Like he's like owning the gay stigma, and he's like, "Yes, I am the gay stigma." Right. Damn that that is that's a good find, Vince. This that's what? that's that's a hell of an Easter egg. Yeah, that really think, is. It, you know, he was also so good because it was like, man, he was like in love. You know, like yeah. I yeah. just—it was just shit you never, <laughs> yeah. you never yeah. seen on screen before. And I was like, why am I feeling these things? Yeah, like, yeah. Like it was just there was so much contrast at all times with him. This yeah. and and it was like that in real life. Like I I met him once, right? And we was oh, like cool. in this club in New York, and I dapped him up. And we was talking, it was like a hardcore dance club, right? Yeah. So we're like in the corner, we're kind of talking or whatever. And he was telling me like a, a director was there that actually directed The Wire. I forget what his name. I think his name is like Ed Bianchi or something, right? Okay. He also did when my wife was on the get down. So we were talking about that. Yeah. And then like it's a hardcore, we're talking. And he looks like Michael K, the scar, the whole thing. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe he like walks away from the conversation and like starts pop locking in the middle of the floor, yes. and like spinning on his head full b-boy and i was like what the yeah. fuck is omar doing like it just yeah. added like another little thing yeah he was a professional this, like, dancer creature he was a professional dancer no idea yeah michael k is like a mythical creature that is 100 percent. that's a that's a perfect way of, of putting it he I'm is like, like wait what and i was looking at everybody else like Omar is like really dance, and I thought it was going to be like some weird shit. And they were like, "Go, go, go!" Because yeah. it was like I didn't know the whole club was full of dancers, you know. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, this what he really do?" I was very yeah. surprised that him being able to move like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, you know he's an amazing actor, amazing guy, and uh, you know, fuck fentanyl. I guess is uh, all I will say. Yeah. About, about <laughs> right. that shit um and if there right. are any drug dealers who are listening to this podcast um just be careful how much fentanyl you put in get, get a get you yeah, know that's not too it. much to ax it's really not it's really <laughs> not just like get, get some uh, test strips or something you get some well i mean the thing is, is they put the fentanyl in on purpose but they're, they're not doing a good job weighing it weigh your right. fentanyl out and clean your workspace you know? Yeah, whatever happened to good old drug dealing production? You exactly, like, dude. They got Ziggy fucking up these packages out here. <laughs> exactly. Make the dope game great again. That's what I what say. I'm here to hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but yeah, back to Omar in, in court. Um, you know, uh, the one person who's still um not cool with him being gay of course is stringer bell who uh calls him a slur right and uh i i have that clip state calls omar little your honor Faggot. state your name for the record omar devon little Faggot. and what is your <laughs> occupation Faggot. i rip and run you I robs drug dealers. Mr. Little, how does a man rob drug dealers for eight or nine years and live to tell about it? <sighs> Day to time, I suppose. Just, you know, right. he's... <laughs> that's how it happened in the episode. I don't know what to tell you guys. Right. Mm. Right. 
Um, so yeah, uh, you know, when, when we open the show, we have Omar, uh, sitting, uh, across from a court cop who's doing a crossword puzzle. And the first thing Omar does is help him out with, uh, his crossword, which is just, it's, uh, it's to me, it's so funny because throughout this episode, whenever you see Omar, he is doing essentially magic tricks for, for, for white people. Like he's like, uh, he's, he is like showing off his, either his intelligence or how funny he is or how good he is at like flipping an argument on people. Um, yeah. it's, it's amazing to watch the, the magical Negro. Is yeah. what they refer to that. <laughs> That's essentially what he's doing in this episode. And, um, but yeah, seeing that and then seeing, uh, the scene where he flips it on, um, the drug lawyer, uh, Maury Levy, um, where he, he basically uh, he catches him in uh, some hypocrisy. Uh, which well, I think the line was, I, "I got the gun, you got the briefcase." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I, ah, I have I have just, a clip of that scene. Mm. It's a perfect. It's a perfect scene. You are a moral. You are feeding off the violence and the despair of the drug trade. You're stealing from those who themselves are stealing the lifeblood from our city. You are a parasite who leeches off Just like you, the culture man. of drugs. Excuse me? What? I got the shotgun. Got the briefcase. It's on the game, though, right? Kills his ass! <laughs> I didn't, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't pick up on the fact that Levy's got, like, a, a stuffy nose in this episode, but I really, it really under, underlines the... Just like the fumbling. Uh, say it. Say it. Say it. What? I know what you want to say. What it underlines say? the Jewiness. No. That's what you're going to say. You're going to talk Listen, about I'm, his. I'm not allowed to say it. <laughs> you're talking about, <laughs> talk about his Jewiness. I know what you're doing. You're, you're out here trying to talk about Jews. Uh, oh, hey. What's up, Brent? <laughs> oh, I just wanted to give Vince a break before he says something too anti-Semitic for us to, yeah. to put on the podcast. Please, please so. do, yeah. Uh, I yeah. thought now would be a good time to stop for some ads. It's ad break time. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of Jews, uh, these, <laughs> sorry, these next products are uh, the sponsors of this podcast, I think. Hey, you know what? These are great products and services that you're going to love. So stick around, listen to these ads, and we'll be right back. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, <laughs> because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, you helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to... Do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby, um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesack.com and uh buying your tickets do it and if you can't go hey maybe you have friends who are in the area and you you know you can tell them like hey you like comedy 
Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great. So, yes, please come. Sacramento Punchline, March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, we're back. Um, so where we left off, uh, Maurice Do you think that was just like an destroyed. accident of filming? Or were they, were they like, oh, he's got to have a stuffy nose in this scene? I didn't. I honestly didn't notice that. I, really? I, 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 I didn't mm. notice he the stuffy nose. sounds a little nose. stuffy, more than usual. I mean, yeah, <laughs> more than usual. Yeah, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear it. To me, the only thing that struck me as a little bit like strange in that scene was Maurice Levy being caught so off yeah, guard yeah. yeah like he didn't expect yeah. that at all i like that yeah right. i love like that no one has ever just, said that to him this was just like david yeah. simon and the wire writers being like man let's get on paper how much we hate lawyers and just uh, yeah just really fucking <laughs> nail them to the wall with this yeah like he he is like caught speechless like excuse me as if it's the first time how like, dare you literally bumbling yeah <laughs> 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 but you know it is it is there is part of me that goes like well the in order to sleep at night i'm sure lawyers drug lawyers like maurice levy or whoever that's based on probably has convinced himself that he is just like an officer of the court you know and he's not just like a clearly a yeah but if you're a, a lawyer or you know something bigger than a pawn in a in a game of if you're like, a lawyer you, it's like being a politician like you got to know your oppo research like by heart like you got to know like if you're a lawyer for a drug dealer like that's the first thing that somebody's going to throw back at you if you start right. talking shit about them being amoral right yeah right. you you'd figure he would have been think, ready for I that don't know. but you but, know what uh, i still liked it because <laughs> fuck them dude yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Fuck him. Uh and uh and then of course uh Judge Phelan uh rips into uh Levy as well and and rips into Bird. And we ask that an appeal bond be set so that he can participate fully in this investigation. An appeal bond on a conviction of first degree murder, Mr. Levy, get a grip on yourself. 
Unless the pre-sentence report indicates that he is, in fact, the Messiah, come again. He will very likely be sentenced to life, no parole, by a Baltimore judge who for once in his life gets to leave his office feeling that his job actually matters. Mr. Hilton, are you the second coming of our Savior? Excuse me? Are you Jesus Christ come back to Earth? Um... See it sentencing. And I realized in this episode, like, this is actually the culmination of the entire storyline uh, from season one. Like this is closing the book on season one of The Wire in that like they finally. Yeah, this was the um, best they got. They got some random tiny hitman and uh, sent him to prison yeah. for life. And that was their biggest scalp from the entire. I guess Weebay went to prison basically for 20 to life or something like that. Right. Or, but the but, whole reason that they were able to even like get Weebay or get um, Avon is because of this killing of yeah. a state's witness. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because of uh, Judge Phelan. That very judge is the reason that McNulty in season one was able to get like all the like special privileges, was able to go over the heads of his bosses and uh, right. like uh, basically have Judge Phelan assert his authority over his bosses and going, no, you guys are going to fucking investigate this shit. So for the judge, this is like, you know, closing the book on it and and it also is kind of for mcnulty um in this yeah. episode mm. if we're yeah. uh gonna segue into what happens with mcnulty in this episode it's uh he doesn't have much of a cop storyline in this it's him in court watching um the last of his like murder police work happening and getting wrapped up you know uh and and it's him giving up on uh, his on that woman. He's been trying to search for the name uh, of the the dead woman in the water for the last five episodes. And this I mean, is the yeah, one where right. he this is a show up. about uh, like I said, like we said, it's a show about hating the bosses, but it's also a show about like if you don't play ball. Like you don't, you can't win. So it's like you got McNulty is the one it's a game. Yeah, the McNulty right. is the one aspect of that. McNulty is the cop who refused to play ball with the bosses. And what that means is he doesn't really get to be a cop anymore. And yeah, D, he's right a boat. D is basically the drug guy version of that where he's like, he, you know, he wanted to be his own man and he, he wouldn't play ball with his, with the bosses in the drug gang and he doesn't get to be alive anymore. So yeah, yeah. Two sides and, of the same. And, that, <laughs> and that's, that's what was another interesting thing about the wire being on tv is it really got into the nuances of policing you know yeah. and the difference between like okay these are police but this is atf and these are the drug cops and these are and right then like how the actual how they work or not work with each other yeah. was never seen before. well because yeah, there was never like oh cops have a personality no, all, yeah and they, all previous all previous yeah. cop shows are about like police and drug dealers as individuals. Um, and the wire is about right. that, but it's much more about individuals sort Collective. of getting ground up in the gears of larger forces in society, whether it's like, whether it's the right. unions that are getting fucked by deindustrialization or the cops that are getting fucked by Comstat or uh, the drug dealer McNulty's wife, who's getting fucked by McNulty. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it and it gives you it gives you uh, why a lot of cops or the the, the system of it, their pieces of shit too. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you could just like I know for me, I've had 
run-ins with police, you're just like, oh, they're just a piece of shit because they're a piece of shit. But yeah. I feel like with The Wire, you kind of really got into like, oh, you know what I mean? You start thinking about like, well, I don't know how much a fucking cop gets paid, you know? Right, yeah. I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like getting into that specifics of it, you know, kind of, I guess, humanizing them as a piece of shit, you know what I mean? Well, right, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. telling you that like the people that were in it for the right right reasons are probably going to get spat out. Whereas like the people that are just in it to make a career and get a few extra stripes, those are the ones that are going to ride rise to the top. And I feel like that sort of holds true for most professions or most, you know, most jobs that I've mm. most corporate jobs yeah. that I've been a part of basically work the same way. It's not really how mm -hmm. good you are at the actual job and how much dedication right. you have towards it's, that. It's, it's more it's, just how you play the game uh, and and you know work your way through whatever that system is. It's like you're there yeah. are dumb guys and there are careerists and sometimes there are both of those at the same time. But if you if you look at every cop as uh, either like a, a a dumbass or a careerist, it like it almost makes total sense everything that they're doing. Because number one, um, if you're if the entire incentive structure around policing is like oh, we got to get our numbers good. We have yeah. to have this many arrests. We have to have this much drugs on the table. We have to have right. this many uh, fucking, you know, uh, people going to court. Um, then, you know, from a careers angle, it's like, it just makes sense that the, like, the the little piece of cheese that you're, you know, putting over the, the to the mouse is just, like, leads you to the pjs arresting people left and right because you're like right. well this helps if the, me if the stat is it, your god you're gonna get a bunch of stat jukers like so you're gonna get yeah. a bunch of rawls yeah. like and the guy I, who care about cares yeah, about that above all mm -hmm. right and i feel like it's also it's it's like the police propaganda of america right where everything you saw about cops was like a good guy eating a donut and then while he's <laughs> eating it this liquor store gets holed up throw the donut away go and be the hero <laughs> yeah so right. there's a whole to, to, to protect and serve right but right. there's this really gets into like i'm a low-paid guy to protect and serve some motherfuckers right. i don't even like right because you know I mean? yeah. that because that's different it's like yeah. it's what they like i'm protecting and serving in the suburbs you know what i mean yeah yeah, but yeah i'm yeah. in fucking west baltimore around the lowest of the low from right. my perspective and it's like you want me to risk my life and not take money under the table? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For these motherfuckers? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and I think that, like, McNulty is an interesting character because he falls into this, like... Uh... Yeah, you said there are dumbasses and they're, and they're careerists, but <laughs> McNulty is very clearly a smartass. So he's yeah. sort of a wild card in there. Right, exactly. That's what like what makes him uh, a compelling character, uh, or at least, you know, it did... Before this season, during this season, he's 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 the most lost he's been on the show. But like, uh, you know, he's someone who will fuck his own career up just to prove to everyone how smart he is and to say fuck you to his bosses, which is what makes uh, him interesting. But watching him in this episode, especially kind of like give up. Because this is the first time, like, he's been spending the last five episodes going around talking to random fucking Ukrainian women going like, uh, hey, you right. seen this dead hooker before? What's her name? And he, he can't find the name of this woman. So, you know, you see that scene where he's with the medical examiner and he's like, ah, fuck it. Uh, you know, 
throw her in a mass grave because that's where they go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he has nothing left, and he's like, well, shit. I guess yeah. I'll go and be a he good husband and father down, now. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite part. His, like, getting out the game and his rock bottom is having to go be a family man. <laughs> yeah, he's having to go yeah, back to like, his ah. wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I go fuck my wife. And then, like, his... And then, like, his go-to move was, like, molesting the mannequin, which was really funny. Yeah. He's like, I know how I'll get her back. Yeah. Show up at work, grab the fake titties, get the real titties excited. <laughs> I mean, he knows she likes uh, an Irish rascal, that, yeah, so he yeah. was just he was yeah. just rascaling for her. Yes. Yeah. He, he, was, uh, he was going full rascal, um, and he, yeah, this was him completely being, like, you know, he has a scene with his wife where they, they go and get dinner together, and he's like... I'm done with being a policeman. I'm I'm retiring. I'm going to just be on the boat, you know, and uh yeah. I'm not I'm not even drinking that much anymore. <laughs> and uh and his wife <laughs> is like flips the table on on him like a uh, like he he wakes up after a, a a night of hot Irish sex and uh <laughs> she's like uh, I don't want the kids to get confused. Get out of here. And I was like, oh, damn. McNulty yeah. just got fucking shot. She, hey, you, you and your mannequin get the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, she told him what it was. She told him what it was. Like, he was going through this whole... From the beginning. This whole spiel yeah. about how he turned his life around. And she was like, you know what? How about one more fuck for the road? And he thought that was just like... That he thought it was, he thought he was right. in, and she wasn't serious, and she but was like, McNulty's, "Oh no, I meant it. Yeah. I'm the fuck boy Mc, now. Look at me, McNulty. Look, look at, at me. me. Look at me. I am the fuck boy now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, uh, you know, McNulty is like so. I mean, that's the thing about like being thinking you're smarter than everybody is you also think that like you are essentially like a wizard. Like he thinks he's like a dick wizard, where he's like, "You're one taste right. of this fucking yeah. one taste know, of this Irish." Because here's the thing about McNulty: <laughs> McNulty was he was smarter from like being really good at his job, like from an right. intellect place. Yes, but his emotional maturity was yeah, in the fucking no. was in one of the tanks with the the the, the lost with, women. Yeah, exactly. So he had no understanding of any type of emotional intelligence, which is why he thought like. I'm done now. My wife will take me back. You know what I mean? Right. You know, like she probably just want to fuck too, but you can't be in here making breakfast in the morning and shit. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. He has he has the emotional intelligence of a goth teenager, where he's just yeah. like, I'm smarter than <laughs> yeah. everyone. Everyone else is Word. stupid, and I can trick people. And uh, his wife flips it on him. And uh, and in terms of him, like talking about him quitting drinking. Um, I want to get into. <laughs> he I think, had one night where he quit after three beers, and he's like, "You know what? I'm done with this. I'm, I'm an done. adult now, dude." But I can like, control this. Yeah. The the most ins- when one of the those things again that the wire is great at is the wire is really good at making being drunk look painful. <laughs> Where's the love, Jimmy? Where is the mother fucking love? Oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Pulls out a gun on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's up with you, man? Nothing. Elena and I are going to try again. That's, his, that's oh. his English accent coming out there. Oh, Elena. shit. Yeah, I'm done fucking myself up, Bunk. I am done. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. Let's go home. I'm sorry, but as he's talking, 
he sounds like he's about to throw up. That's the thing about yeah. like Jimmy McNulty drunk sounds like he's gagging. And it <laughs> yeah. is it is it's kind of amazing. And then of course one of my favorite scenes in the episode is Bunk um they're like uh, they're all they're at the detail they're talking to Daniels they're updating him on all the shit and Bunk is like almost throwing up the entire fucking scene I was surprised at that because we only saw him drinking beer and that seems like more of a reaction to him uh, drinking liquor but uh... I'll tell you like if you have just a couple of 40 ounce of steel reserve like I did when I was a kid he was they were uh, drinking Heineken oh <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Nikki. Let's talk about Nikki, darling Ziggy. Nikki thinks he's a big time player in this uh, in this episode, and it uh, yeah, he doesn't seem like how do you get this idea? Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's very smart. He seems like he's only just like a little bit smarter than Ziggy, and uh, and that seems like it might be a dangerous thing. Okay, but he is the difference between. Nikki and Ziggy, and it's shown in this episode, uh, actually, kind of perfectly. Is uh, in the scene where Nikki he goes to meet up, uh, he goes to meet up with Vondas, uh, the with, with you know the Greeks' right hand man, and some Israeli named Eton. I love, by the way, that they're just like, also here's an Israeli. It's like, okay, we have every shade of white, <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> and every shade of ethnic white that does mafia thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, if you yeah. want to know, it's uh, like- another another reason the wire is so great because they 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 did all types of representation before. Yeah, they like did the hot one. There's like we got a bunch of different kinds of white people and a bunch of black people. Yeah, you know? yeah, and and they like <laughs> they like uh, studiously avoided Italians, which I as someone yeah. who <laughs> who just finished The Sopranos, I'm like I love that there were yeah, like yeah. there are no Italians in yeah, fucking Baltimore. Exist. Yeah. Um, but excuse, uh, excuse me, I, I just like to point out that uh, I'm pretty sure Horseface Bakusa is uh, actually an Italian guy, so we, we got a little bit of Italian. Horseface with... isn't Polish? I don't think so, right? Isn't he isn't he Italian guy? No, they're all Polish. Pakusa? You could be a Polish Pakusa. Yeah, there are <laughs> Polish Pakusas. Uh, so, um, yeah, so Ziggy has fucked up the package from Cheese, who is of course played by Method Man, uh, and uh, Cheese is gonna is threatened to kill Ziggy if Ziggy doesn't get him the money. So um, at one point, uh, Nikki uh, Vondis goes like, we could kill him, which I thought was a very fun, <laughs> casual way. Like, oh, you want, we could do murder. Um, and, yeah. and, and Nikki says like, no, 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 don't do that. Because if you do that, then all of a sudden we're going to start a war with this guy and we're all going to be at risk and they're going to escalate. If we escalate, then they're going to escalate. And, uh, and Vondis does this thing where he's like, see, Nikki, smart guy, which I think is really, really funny to be just smart enough to know that like, nah, some people, if you kill people, then sometimes they want to kill you back. Like he's not that yeah, smart, yeah. but Vondas yeah, is like, like, wow, this is basic <laughs> retaliation concept. <laughs> yes. Yes. And like, but Vondas is like, see, I told you this kid is smart, which, uh, I guess, um, smart enough to be a criminal, I suppose. Just another great thing that Dwyer did, like getting into drug wars. You never seen it like that, you yeah. know, really getting into the day to day, 
yes. of this type of event was not seen on TV before. Yeah. You know, and not built with like such suspense around it where you're like really involved. Yes. A hundred percent. Um and yeah, like you know, uh, we're seeing in this uh, season, especially um, kind of where we're finally getting the connective tissue between the street where the drugs are sold and the uh, the port where the drugs come in. And that connective right. tissue happens between uh, Sergey and as a representative of the Greek and Prop Joe. So, right. We see Nikki, uh, first we see Nikki get taken over to Cheese's Corner. And um, another reason why Nikki is smarter than uh, than Ziggy is like, Ziggy, the problem with Ziggy trying to be a drug dealer is like he didn't realize that in order to be, you know, a gang, a gang member, you need to like have a gang. Like you need muscle. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just yeah. out there alone. You, you literally need protection. You need protection. Exactly. And, and Nikki, you know, he asks the guys he knows with muscle, they go over and they tell cheese, you know what they're going to do. So you get to see, right. you get to see later, um, Nikki, um, see this meeting between Sergey and prop Joe in which they, Basically, which is a great fucking scene it's such really a great fucking such scene. a good scene like so the guy work. who plays prop joe is his name is robert Fantastic. chu do, do, uh, do i have that right he's Vince the lands robert? he's the landsman of the streets but yeah but like they're both these guys that are like a little too they're a little theatrical for reality like they're a little bit like the theater kid version of the thing they're playing but it totally works because like they <laughs> have incorporated it into their job and into their personality. Wait, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about prop Joe, prop Joe and Landsman. Like they both do these, like they speak oh, yeah. in, they speak in aphorisms. They do little act outs all the time. Like they're very, they're like the theater kids of the wire and, and uh, they're so, but they're, they're so, but they're so they're good they're such, that they make it work. Yeah. They're such like talented actors. Yeah, prop. Yeah. Rob Joe is really, he's like really good though. Like just yeah, in, no doubt. He is, he's an acting it, coach. It adds those. Yeah. And it adds those, uh, because it's people really like that in the street, you know what sure. I mean? So I think it's because you get to kind of see another like shade of that. You yeah. Know? That's not all just like, ah, I'm going to shoot the motherfucker in the face. Yeah, and, right. You know what I mean? There's right. other guys like, you know, if you wasn't with him, you know, just kind of like a little more pro uh, diplomatic, so to speak, yeah. you know. And, and and he's uh, it's great. There's so much exposition that's done in this scene, but it doesn't feel like exposition uh, between mm -hmm. Prop Joe and Nikki. And uh, I have this scene. It's it's a minute long, but it's it's really good. But family cannot be helped. Who you telling? I got motherfucking nephews and in-laws fucking all my shit up all the time. And it ain't like I can pop a cap in the ass and I hear about it Thanksgiving time. For real, I'm living life with some burdensome niggas. But it ain't like cheese being in a position out on that corner to let your cuz exemplify shit. The man cut you some slack and soon every fucking up white boy be on his titty. We want to pay what we owe. Your man doubled it, though. He also burned the car. Now, the blue book on that Camaro is 51. Now, let me understand. You gonna come up in here having fucked up a package, asking me to tell Cheese who you fucked it up on to pay you out $2,400. He gets to keep the Camaro. 
Just how good a friend is this motherfucker to y'all? <laughs> the cheese ain't gonna be happy having to pay me back. So I would advise y'all to give him some distance. Thanks for being straight on this. Fool. If it wasn't for Sergey here, you and your cuz both would be cadaverous motherfuckers. Just fucking perfect. Perfect so, scene. It's two really funny parts of there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First, the fact that like just the ADD of the situation of him like, yeah, we talk about this drug deal, but also, no, I feel you, because there's two motherfuckers in my family. I wish I could kill their ass right now. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I and, know I can't show up to the family reunion after killing right. my cousin. That's the only reason. The only reason That's is the like, only reason. Yeah, it's not because, like, well, I, I couldn't because they're family. It's like, no, right. I would never hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah, and then, as as Nikki's like, yeah, thanks for being straight. It's like the, the complete um lack of understanding mm -hmm. in the moment that like i'm not doing this because i'm a good guy right. you know, yeah, like, thanks yeah. for being straight. like it was like a really nice courtesy like hey man thanks thanks for being straight it's like no 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 we would no. have you killed yeah like, <laughs> like, like yeah no like nothing it's like oh like no no we the plan would be to murder you I yeah it's like no i, this, I, I part, want you dead isn't part of you just being like dude just <laughs> Just tell him to call it even. Don't ask for part of your money back. Like, honestly, uh, I was like, "What I are kind you of, doing here, bud?" I kind of yeah. loved that he he didn't though, because there is part of me that like is watching the evolution of like Nikki's character as he's getting more and more confident. Because like this is a guy who's like he's fucking you know he doesn't have shit. He lives in his mom's basement. Right. He literally lives in his mom's basement. Um, he has a kid and he has a, a girlfriend who he can't marry because he doesn't have the money. Um, right. Like he's got he's part of a union that gives him five days of work a month. He's not making any fucking money. And like there's part of him that's like, well, now I kind of have guys with guns next to me who yeah. are like like I have some muscle. So the fact is, is that he's like he doesn't know, I think, the world of prop joe you know he doesn't know this world he he is right so he's like a little bit more casual about like hey yeah you know just uh you give me some money and we'll call it even like that that i think is i don't know it's interesting to me i like i like that turn in his character it's i mean you could argue that that it's a calculated risk that he yeah. like that he's demonstrating value uh or importance by you know getting part of that money back instead of just like like he you could say that if he just agreed to call it even he would be uh demonstrating that it's okay to just push push him around right yeah right. yeah and, and i think yeah and he's kind of feels a little bit like i don't know that's fair that, I mean, it is fair. They, <laughs> they burned his car for no fucking reason. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I, I would like to have that money back, please. And um, and then yeah. the his arc ends in this episode with uh, Nikki finally gets um, the Greek and Eton um, the chemicals that, uh, that the Greek's been asking for for a bit now. And uh, he asks him, if he'd like to be paid in cash or paid in heroin. Turn it around, you can make 60, 70,000. Nick, he's, he's offering like three, four times the value. I'm out on this. Nicky, come on, man. 
Half in cash, half in dope. Nikki, I can turn that package around, no problem. Oh, sick, I got it. Nikki, you don't know. You hear me? I said I fucking got this one. Why you stay at home and watch cartoons? Let me handle this shit for the both of us, all right? <laughs> fucking walking home or what? <laughs> Just, I mean, while, while Nikki... I mean, look who thinks they're a fucking big dog now. I know, <laughs> I know. And it's it's so sad because, like, while Nikki is, like, getting more and more, like, confident about his shit... Ziggy is just dealing with all manner of like fucking uh, slight and uh, disrespect. Yeah, disrespect. Yeah, Z- Ziggy, Ziggy, Ziggy goes, Nikki, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the streets like I know the streets. Dude, uh, I can turn this fucking package around. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's so sad because it's like you know because oh, all Ziggy wants in this like entire season that you, you you're seeing, he just wants to be like a badass gangster who's drug dealer guy. Yeah, no, you he know? wants to be respected he by a group of a guys. Dealer. And no, that's true. He wa- and that's true. No matter what group of guys he's with, none of them actually respect him. Cause yeah, yeah, he's and an like annoying the fact- person. Yeah, he's he's incredibly annoying. Um, they were and Ziggy would have been the type that's like. Give it to me all in drugs and lose all of that shit. hundred percent, hundred percent. Give it to me, me all in drugs, baby, and then gets robbed like an immediately. hour immediately, like one minute later, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now you ain't got shit. No, give me half and half because if mm-hmm. I lose this dope, I still got some money to get more. <laughs> exactly. Like he's and vice versa. No, for if, for real. And and I think you know, obviously, Nikki knows this, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm not. But just stay away." And he tells him, "Like, why don't you go home and watch cartoons?" Which is like, "Ouch, <laughs> yeah. bro." And like, oh, there's nothing more saying you a little bitch than that. Like, go watch some cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> go eat some cereal and laugh in front of the TV, you <laughs> fucking child. Um, yeah. And then, of course, uh. Z- Ziggy. <laughs> Like, just the cherry on top of that scene is, like, Ziggy's all, like, fucking, like, pissed. He's, like, pissy that he said that to him. And then he goes, what, are you walking home? Because his car's <laughs> been burned. And it's like, oh, bro. I mean, he's got no choice. And it is hilarious. Um, okay. Finally, we are ending with um, D'Angelo Barksdale. This is also uh-huh. known as, be- as being D'Angelo's last episode. Um, and I think we, we got to go a little bit deeper into it. Um, D at this point is like completely trying to adjust. He's like accepted that he's going to spend the next at least 10 years in prison. He's got a 20 year sentence. There's no way he's doing any less than 10. And, um, you see him like, you know, the first scene with D'Angelo is him looking at a picture of his child and flushing all the drugs that he had down down the toilet. Like, you know, he's he's done with that. You see him like changing his life. He's he's everyone's on a back in the day trip in this episode. You got yeah. D is on a back in the day trip, flushing his drugs, looking at his picture of himself. Yeah. You got Ziggy. He's reminiscing about yeah. old times with his pops and. And yeah. McNulty's yeah. reminiscing. McNulty fucking his wife again. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's going back in wife. time, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, that's. And they really pulled an know. Aaron Sorkin where they're like, hey, what if we weaved some great Gatsby into this episode? Like if this was, yeah. if this was an Aaron Sorkin show, it'd probably be like Shakespeare or. Right. Uh, yeah. Who knows? But David Simon's like, no, we're doing a great Gatsby this episode. Everybody's trying to get back into yeah. the past. 
Yeah, I, and I I feel like you know that is it's uh, you could say it's a little on the nose. Obviously, they're doing Great Gatsby. This is but you know all prologue is the name of the show. The past is prologue. I get it, but um, it is. I think they kind of make a more interesting point with it um, by killing D'Angelo in this episode, which was you know um, mm. this. I think. I think in any other show, especially with with an actor as good as Lawrence Gilliard Jr. and with like um, the a performance as good as he has, uh, uh, you know, in the show. I think in any other show, you do not kill this fucking character off. I think you. This is something that on a network TV show you would see the kind of like reformed gangster storyline. Yeah. yeah, he's the right. relatable guy. Yes, it's the relatable yeah. guy. It's the like, it's the guy the who, pastor or something. yeah, yeah, he becomes the pastor of the jail or of the yeah. prison. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he runs a you know one of those like, um, learn to, you know, here's a trade school that I ran inside of the prison, and, yeah, and that yeah. that ends up being a thing. He ends up being like this character that for the white audience, everyone can point at and be like, see. That is the good character. Like mm-hmm. that, that, yeah, 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 yeah. that's what they would have done on any fucking other show. Um, mm. But on this show, uh, they keep it way more real. And I, they killed him. <laughs> I mean, I think I said this in a, in a past episode, he's like the Ned Stark of the wire. Like he, you think yeah. he's going to live on. Cause he's like, Oh, we like this guy. He's honorable. He makes some good speeches. Uh, right. He's like the moral center yeah. of the show. Yeah, the moral the moral compass of the show. Yeah. Yes. But then, but like the whole point of it is like, oh no, the moral compass is the one that gets fucked in this universe cuz Right. Yeah, right. exactly. And here's what's crazy is that when I first watched it, this this scene, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and the guy comes in behind him, right? Yeah. Because I I have watched. Remember, I think was Oz was on at this time. Too, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And so when the guy comes in behind him and you see him fidgeting, I was like, oh, he about to fuck him. They about to fuck D'Angelo. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. about to get raped right here. This, <laughs> yeah. That's a beautiful I was like, oh, they about to rape my boy right here in this library. <laughs> that was all I was thinking about. Because it was just like he's behind him and he's fidgeting. And yeah. all the general said, if you watch at that time, I was like, ah, oh, baby, everybody was yeah, getting raped. That- I was like, oh, oh damn. <laughs> yeah. He was just talking to his mama. Why he ain't listening to Avon? Like, I'm freaking the... I was like, oh, I can't see this. That's shit. a really it's good hard. point. That is true. That Like, yeah. the prison rape thing was definitely... <laughs> that was used a lot in, like... That you're, like, and Siamese twins, man. It was like, at that time, <laughs> One hundred percent. There was like, the, the, I, I didn't even consider that, but that's absolutely true. That it's like American History X. I remember prison rape is like a big thing. Like there was a yeah, time exactly. where it was like prison rape was seen as like, was like normal justice. That was like, well, that's justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Johan Miranda oh, has this God. joke was that prison rapists are like the Batman of like modern society. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're doing justice where justice hasn't been served. Oh um, God. That shit's crazy. See, I had a that. different read. Like it, when I was watching it, I was like, Oh, he's going to come shiv this guy in the ribs. He's going to get, he's going to get, 
He's going to get stabbed. Um, and then uh, the dude just like up. gently chokes him out and makes it look like he was jacking off. And I was like, oh, that's okay. somehow worse. <laughs> we need to talk about this because this is this is where like somehow it's even worse. It's even meaner than if you would. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I didn't. He made it like he was jacking off. OK, I so made I don't like know. It was a suicide. OK, what's uh, he made here? it look. OK, so he did he the thing where he made pants. Okay, he made it look like a suicide, and then he made it look like, you know, the one way you can hang yourself is, yes, to put a fucking belt on your neck yeah. and, and uh, right. lean against the door. Like, you know, it's uh, you choke out, uh, and then you eventually die. That's yeah, what happens. You come so hard so that's, to die. It's a, it's a way that prison suicide happens. It's a way that suicide happens. Right. But he does the thing where he puts his hand in his pants. Do you that, that moment where he puts I his hand- I didn't notice that. I noticed that, and I, I I am I remember when I watched it the first time I watched it, and thinking like, oh, he's trying to make it look like he accidentally died from autoerotic asphyxia, like he David Carradine. Himself. How the fuck like, did you know that? Because I, I saw him put his hands <laughs> in his pants, but here's the thing: I thought it was like like some weird. Just wanted to make it like a very formal like thing or something. Yeah, just yeah. Like, Making it like, hey, nothing going on here, just your friendly suicide. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Listen, like... the first time I heard about the erotic, you know, bust a nut and die at the same time was like some fucking Robin Williams movie. You yeah, know I mean? yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. about this shit. So I'm like, how the fuck did you know about this shit? Listen, we were all into some weird <laughs> shit when we were younger. There's nothing uh, wrong with that. Yeah. But. Damn, I never thought about that. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, Bitch, I was, you I was, hold it with your little your yeah. kinky details. I was yeah, looking up when David Carradine d died because I feel like that was like a, a seminal moment in auto autoerotic asphyxiation. Uh, seminal? Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was in 2009, so that would have been after this. But I think, didn't the guy from NXS uh, also die of autoerotic asphyxiation i don't know i don't have a list of people who died of autoerotic <laughs> asphyxiation but <laughs> clearly i do like, oh, i yeah. bet wikipedia does auto <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not looking it up but um yeah so i at first i remember thinking like oh they're trying to make it look like but i was like but that's weird because like you already have it made to look like a suicide i guess it's to add like credibility to it like no he would never kill himself oh well he didn't because he was trying to masturbate. But I'm now starting to think, having rewatched this show, that maybe part of killing yourself that way is you put your hand in your pants and you it's like you sit on your hands so that you don't um, you try to take it back. off. Yeah, reach back. Mm. Yeah, see, it has okay. to be that because this erotic fixation theory is not working because this <laughs> shit was not popping in the streets at this time, Vince. I'm yeah, sorry. I to think it was. Yeah, I'm sorry. Good point. That's Nobody the best point. Maybe three dudes knew, but nobody in the hood knew about beating your meat and killing yourself. None of this shit. I don't know. I, feel like I can't a lot of go with this theory. That. No, no I, I got to find out that. <laughs> I, I, complete, I think that alone is the best reason the, for why that's probably not what's going on that it wasn't uh, in our community yet exactly it, it wasn't mainstream <laughs> yes yeah it was it was not yet in uh this is the, over there googling like rappers yeah. That... Yeah, yeah, yeah he's googling when did black people find out about autoerotic <laughs> asphyxiation oh you're gonna get some weird google results oh man um but yeah so i don't know if he was 
what the but i think it was just like in order to make it look like he really did commit suicide he was stopping his hands yeah. from you know stopping from, himself yeah, i don't know yeah, that, that, that makes all i know is that it's so sad d joined a book club he stopped yeah. doing drugs he finally told his mom like uh you're kind of a cunt and leave me alone <laughs> which i thought yeah. that that scene was amazing i was about six seven years old I was playing on the porch them twins came by started picking on me i'm banging on the door trying to get inside and you standing right there to open the door except you ain't letting me inside you told me to go back out there and fight them whether i lose or not they beat the shit out of you yeah then you say to me boy I might have brought you into this world, but you the one who gonna have to live in it. He kind of cussed out the whole family. He did, you know, which he, is he straight up funny. did. But he was able to do it like, and, and that's what you do, like you cuss out the family through like the matriarch. So like you, yeah. you send the message to your mama, and she gonna send it to everybody else. So that's not only fuck point. you, fuck my uncle, fuck the cousin. You tell all to leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, yeah, and also like you know, uh, kind of like fuck donette his 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 wife and baby mama he's like listen yeah that was i don't want any wild. part she's gonna be like suckling off the teat of the barksdale organization still they're gonna take care of her so that's good right uh you know string is fucking her so it's all <laughs> it's all good uh it's, just it's, leave, yeah she's fine yeah she's <laughs> fine just just leave me alone i uh have a lot of books to read and uh and he doesn't get to read it. And here's what was another interesting moment to me, too, was like that kind of parallel to me, like Nikki and Ziggy and shit yeah, yeah. was like, but when the guy comes in and he looks back, hey, like the, the kind of arrogance of like, again, like all these characters are like totally, like you say, emasculated, like bitch boys. But in their head, at some moment, it's like, I'm motherfucking big dog now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, dog. Who ain't supposed to be in here. Then he's like flipping through his brook. And that's when I knew that something was going to go bad the way he did. Like, yeah, you ain't even supposed to be in here, man. I was like, no, you need to be focused because he about to fuck you. Because again, that's what I was thinking. But it's like, when you look at it, it's like, yeah, you ain't supposed to be in here. And it's like, damn, even in his death, he still ain't no shit. Like he never yeah. really bossed up and was like better at the streets, basically. No, 100%. Like, I mean, like Ziggy, like, you don't even know when I can turn this package around. Like, you're yeah. supposed to be in here. You, then, yeah. uh, you never <laughs> turn your back on a guy in prison and you never especially <laughs> yeah. turn your guy back on a guy yeah. in prison who just closed the door behind him in a room that you are in. Like, Yeah, he was so like, arrogant with like the way he was flicking the book like, I'm the librarian of <laughs> yeah. this facility. And, and I know when I turn my back, you're going to walk out because I told you, you ain't supposed to be in here, dog. <laughs> It sucks because it's like it's one of the reasons why D'Angelo is such an interesting character is the same reason why he needed to die, which is that like he's just not built for these streets. He's not built he's not for built a prison. For, baby. He's you know, he was born into a world like Ziggy. He was born into a yeah. world that uh, he is was he'll just ne never understand even yeah. though he, like he's in the world really 
He's just not yeah. strong enough. And some people are like that. They're not good at any aspect of just crime and street life. Like where yeah. it's like, you know, there, there are so many sectors of it. And they're just like, you meet people like you're failing, like at every part of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, if it was like an actual job and a resume. It's like you don't have any experience, like yeah. nothing, <laughs> no natural talent skills. It's like you was bad on the street. Then right. you're going to prison. You're horrible in prison. You know, yeah. like it's like got a trade a job and it's because both you know both ziggy and d'angelo they you know they were both born into the fucking royalty of whatever shit they were in like fucking privilege crime families yes like (laughs) honestly like d'angelo is born in he's a barksdale so he's fucking right he gets to coast on that. Ziggy is the fucking son of the guy who runs the union, runs the fucking docks. Like, uh, is he is he's because of that. He's soft. He came up soft, and so did yeah. D'Angelo. Dude, when I was in in high school, there was a guy like that was like D'Angelo, and he wanted to be like a drug dealer so bad. This is like ninth grade, so he yeah. came to school one day, right? And he had like all this weed, and he was excited that he got it from his uncle and it's like man i got this strawberry weed shit man this is it, right it's like very and all throughout the day he was like yeah baby i got the weed like he was really excited God. and then like at the end of the day this dude literally just was like hey give me that shit right and took it and it was just like nothing it wasn't mm-hmm. a fighter it like in his mind he hadn't processed like oh shit shit yeah right no the was, other side like like his brain was like he was just excited just i got weed now right and it was like he had no other like oh but if you take it from me it's no longer mine right like, and i like, have to fight for no, it yeah yeah i gotta fight for it. he was just kind of like he was crestfall like yeah just sad i feel like you that's know? the like, stage this of is the weirdest robbery i ever <laughs> i feel like this is the... and we were like kids too so i was just like what this no. is that's the stage that bitcoin guys are at right now i think yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, oh, where shit. they're just like, Legit. I'm a kingpin. I'm on a boat. And then, and then their money and gets taken. Started. And they're like, what yeah, do I do? Yeah. Wait, I wasn't supposed to put all of my savings in it? Yeah, wait, what <laughs> happened? I gave a guy my password and now all my apes gone. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, That's such a sad scene, though. Like It's such it, a sad it's scene. It's beautifully sad. Like, even the way you just like. There was a gentleness to the murder. It was yeah. at the, at the end there where he like him down. Yeah, lightly yeah. puts him down, and then and then immediately goes out and is just like, "What's for dinner?" <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Just... and then yeah, when he when he left out, that's when you was like, "Oh yeah, I forget that they get like actors from the corner store because that yeah. was like the the worst acting was after the murder when yes. he sees the guy." Oh yeah, so y'all know what? it was like. Come yeah. on, you just did. This was the yeah. worst thing ever. Like. He immediately pepped up and was like, yeah, trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's the thing about the show is that like occasionally you're just like, oh, yeah, that's just some guy they got. But you know what? He did a good job mm at killing the murder. It was fantastic. Absolutely. Um, How how did you just quickly? Yeah. How did you feel when you first saw that scene, though? When I first like, like, do you remember where you were? Sad. Yeah. Like when you first saw D'Angelo die, like I didn't you, think like, he was going to die. Well, yeah. I shocked. Okay. I was yeah. waiting for because um, he like, you know, he after he like puts the, the belt on the door handle, um, you know, and he leaves him and he gingerly like leaves. I was like, oh, he's not going to die. He's going to like wake up, you know, or or something. And that was my own ignorance of not knowing that of 
uh, how that was like a a way to commit suicide uh, you know that the uh, yeah. you know so i just thought he was going to i thought he was going to live i didn't think they would kill off this character because again i was like well but but his whole story arc has to be his redemption yeah, yeah. i need that right yeah and that- and yeah. the show, the fact that the show like didn't do that for me, it was like the same thing when like Wallace died, where I was like, they, but they can't kill Wallace because he needs to be redeemed. He's such a likable <laughs> character, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, yeah that, that shocked me. But I didn't think he was gonna get fucked in the ass. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did that to me. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 it's because I watched Oz after I watched The Wire. Oh, oh okay. I was, got it. Got it. Got it. And I remember, like, Oz was one of those shows where, having like watched it, I was like, it, I liked, I, I liked it, but it was definitely um, a show where I was like, oh, I'm kind of getting like the opposite of the wire vibes here in terms of like, they made it like a very, a theatrical show about prison. Um, and yeah, I and thought I was it was like, like I, I didn't, I didn't rewatch Oz at all. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. Like, yeah. Let's do this with a kid. Like, yeah. No, no you don't. I tried rewatching it one time and I realized like, Oh, it doesn't, it's, it's doesn't hold up and it's hard to watch. Cause it's like filmed in this weird square. Um, mm. it doesn't matter. It's yeah. not a, not a great show, but, um, but yeah, so uh, that's most of the storylines. Um, you know, I think we're gonna see more and more as the season goes on. What happens with uh, Kima? Oh, and let me and, just add, yeah, uh, a little history to it. So when uh, Stringer is paying for the, you know, paying for to get the murder done, I know what you were saying. I was gonna ask you about it, so I'm glad you're bringing it up. And he goes. Uh, you know, y'all still down there in D.C.? You know, it's like a whole thing about D.C. And he also goes like, oh, yeah, I ain't been down there forever. For historical, Baltimore is 30 minutes flat from D.C. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, he made it seem like it was like 10 hours away. It's like, oh, man, I haven't been down there in years. But it's like 30 minutes of the Baltimore Wa- – it's called the Baltimore-Washington Parkway. Where <laughs> yeah. You go from D.C. right into Baltimore. Yeah, it's but that's very easy to get there. But they are, in terms of worlds, they are like worlds apart, like I guess right. culturally or whatever the fuck. But that was always very funny to me. They made DC seem like, oh, it's like, oh, oh I it's thought you were gonna, out there. I thought you were gonna bring up when he asked him about GoGo. Yeah, what? What? Uh, that... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was very funny too. Wait, what was that? Um, I, I that for me, I was like, I, I don't know. Any... Yeah. Well, oh, well... okay. So GoGo music is basically just like live instrumentation. Really with like uh, percussions. You got congos, bongos, and all that shit, right? And it kind of really made popular. If you look up Chuck Brown, he passed away. But he was like one of the the, the pioneers of go-go, right? So it's a lot of songs that you hear you don't realize is go-go. So like, I feel like busting loose. Yeah, yeah. Loose. Give me the bridge now. Like all that was incorporating go-go in it. And it's just like heavy on the percussions and and um all of those things. But it's okay. like a music that has, you know, like like Chicago has like house music right. and shit like that. DC has go-go, you know what I mean? And it's oh. all just like our own version, you know, of a certain type of, of uh, like music. of like dance, like club music. Which is 
yeah, our own versions of of club music. But DC, the, I think the thing that made it so different and unique is that it was like a live thing that you had to experience live. And it yeah. was it was almost like live. And there were some a lot of original Go-Go songs, but I feel like it got even more fans because it was a lot of covers too, mm. you know? So you hear a lot of uh, very popular songs done in this Go-Go twist was kind of like this live pared down, kind of like unplugged thing, you know? Yeah. But... So most people, uh, this girl from New York would describe it. It sounds like uh, boots in a dryer. <laughs> is what she said. She's like, because <laughs> just like, doo, 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 doo. you know, it's yeah, very, yeah. a very funny way uh, to put it. When you first hear it, you just like, you were like, what the fuck is this? But he's correct. If you hear it live, you go, oh, it makes sense. This is a vibe. I got it. Yeah, uh. but just hearing it your first time, you're like, I don't know what the fuck this uh, <laughs> African music is. <laughs> Because okay. people are like, this is like some African shit, you know. That it's good to know because that that, very to me, I was like, I was as I was watching it, I was like, oh, I'm glad we're gonna have Trevor on because you're from DC, and I was like, I gotta know what the fuck Go Go is yeah. about. And there's and there's always been at least, especially back then, like in the early 2000s, a rivalry between DC and Baltimore mm. in every way. Um, but I think originally kind of started from the drug trade, you know, but oh, then yeah, it went yeah. into sports. It was like the battle of the parkway. It was the Redskins versus the Ravens, yeah. you know, so it was always that. So to DC, Baltimore was like this, like, oh, we don't ever go over there. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's technically in Maryland and DC is not even a state. Right. So we right. don't even go there. And then they were dressing different and talking different. It was like big t-shirt. I was calling them Bamas. That's what he said in the thing. Like, oh, right. you know, same old Bamas, you know. Was just like a bunch of whack ass people, basically, yeah. you know. So it's always that. It was always like that little uh rivalry. So that's also what the show did is it brought that rivalry to the screen. And no, if you kind of like wasn't from there, you didn't know that that was like an actual yeah thing. The only hint of that that you see uh that or that I like saw so far in the show was uh at one point when Bodhi gets sent off to like uh to juvie um he asked if there's any west baltimore people in there with him and uh they're like no it's mostly dc kids and he's like oh i gotta get the fuck out of here yeah. <laughs> and i was like yeah uh, yeah yeah it's kind of like a rival and that's what's funny about interesting in the the prison systems though that like when guys go to jail other places you kind of have to get along with people you wouldn't regionally get along uh, with like survival you know yeah so that's yeah. like another like uh it's all done by like cars and shit from what i saw i've never been to prison but they'll be like <laughs> oh like it's like say new york has like oh new york has a little thing with jersey or you know what i mean yeah, yeah. sometimes oakland and san francisco kind of it's basically oakland and san francisco right, you know, right there's right, like right. a little bit of a rivalry like it's just across the bridge but, but that's, a, that's a long way across that bridge <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly well yeah. i'm I'm glad to know more of that detail, and we will learn more and more about uh, what is going on with the detail. They're looking at girls. They're trying to find out about <laughs> where these where these prostitutes are coming in, where they're working, and we will see more of that in next week's episode. Um, but if I had to give this episode a letter grade, and I do, mm. um, I think I would give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode if you had to give it a letter yeah, grade? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Solid B plus of an episode. Okay. Everybody loves Omar. Everyone loves Omar. Uh, Trevor, if you had to give this episode a letter grade, uh, uh, and you could give it any a, grade, what would actually, you give it? I, see, I, 
I wasn't going to give it a B plus just to go against y'all, but I, a B plus <laughs> is accurate because yeah. I don't like that D'Angelo died. Yeah, but it was done very tastefully. It was. So, it was. It was a tasteful B death. Plus, so yeah. solid B plus. A tasteful all, death. Solid B plus, B plus we'll all B plus. around for this episode of The Wire and a solid A-plus episode of Pod Yourself The Wire. Trevor Joyner, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Where can people find you? At LOL Trev. In the street. All across every social space. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Definitely not in Baltimore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, At LOL Trev across everything. All right. If you're in LA, I'm at the Elysian Theater next Thursday. Come see me. Oh, nice. Elysian Theater next Thursday. Check out Trevor Joyner. He is a great stand-up. Follow him on all of the platforms. Trevor, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. All right. I wanted to Uh, shout out my favorite line of the episode that we never got to. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Just one line. It was just Herc at the beginning when he's hitting on Beatty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, That That was our pull quote. That's my pull quote for the show. Which was your pull quote for this episode is is uh, le- hold on let me find it. Excuse me, Thomas. Beatty, would you like to go to Royal Farms? Maybe get a cup of coffee. Right. Yeah, I'm Thomas. You want a coffee? Hey, listen, I was gonna ask her for her panties to make some soup with, but uh, I was afraid she'd take it the wrong way. <laughs> Fucking Christ, bro. Such a good line. It's a, it's a fantastic line. And it is like, it's, it is amazing Herc's ability to panties to make some soup with like Herc's ability to like take Carver, like Carver, you know, tries to like fucking, you know, rag on him. Mm-hmm. And he, he's always able to like disgust carver in a way that like carver's like i honestly wasn't prepared for how disgusting you are (laughs) yeah he takes it the next level and he surprises everyone and it's great it's fantastic um patreon.com slash frogcast the eight dollar tier gets you a shout out vince Mm. we we have some new eight dollar patrons we have one two three four five um the first one is, of course, our big, beautiful, sexy $100 patron, Michael Foster. Oh, of course. That's Mike White, the Foster, or sorry, White Mike. White Mike, the Foster Child. I love it. White Mike, the Foster Child. This is a beautiful, beautiful nickname. All right. Second, uh, we have Liz McMillan. Mm, Lizzie Mick. Let's see. What do we call, Liz- you know, Mick, 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 Lizzie Mick. Obviously, it's just right there. Like, what else do you need? Yeah, but like, if it was on a street, you know, what would you say, Lizzie Mick? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we don't. Okay, here's the thing, Vince. <laughs> we don't have a lot of women <laughs> who are giving us the the shout out. So I think we have. We should try to what do work you got? extra. What? Do, what? What, do you, what do you got for? I don't have that. Uh, like, uh, like, sl- uh, Liz the Sliz. No, that's not good. <laughs> I like Sliz. Sliz is good. <laughs> Slizzy Mick. There we go. Yeah, there we go. We I'm got glad there. I was. We get we get there eventually. Yeah, Just gotta get the happens. Yeah. Okay. Next is name. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce, but Choval Navon. Yeah, we call this guy Diggs. 
Uh, yeah, it makes sense. His, Sho- name, yeah, Sh- like his name is Shovel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, next is Robert Allwood. Yeah, we call this guy hard on because he's all wood. Yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> Uh, and finally, Matt Nixon. Oh, we call this guy Tricky Dick. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It has to be. Has to be. That is your $8 patrons for this week. Um, just a reminder, if you have given $8 or more a while back and you still haven't gotten a name, uh, email us. Uh, Frogcast at gmail.com. For all your questions, comments, and concerns, Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. The Wire Season 2. Decent resistance. And all he wants. While he's inside To not see his fucking family His mama no bride Don't need protection That they provide He works at the library Got a book that he's repairing some here comes closer to me, baby, and he's already got deep right where he wants him, baby. Chokes him out, it makes him hate. How does it feel? Yeah. Why'd you fuck up? How does it feel? You should have just. You should have just said hi to your uncle when you had the chance, bitch. And I'm gonna be here with you. I, I don't know the rest of the song. So, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Damn, you want to tear them down? Hit that back wall, bitch. Uh, hey, yo, what up? It's me, D'Angelo, girl. Oh, you look sexy right now. You look so good. I could choke myself with a belt. Masturbate myself. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Hopefully, I don't die this way. Because people might think that I killed myself when really I just like to come good. That's right. Oh, oh, girl. Damn, that pussy is so wet. That pussy's so wet, it makes me think. Man, I, you should dry it sometime. You should get um a, a, a dry rag and or a sponge. And you put that sponge deep inside your face. And you take that sponge and you just kind of sop up all that excess moisture from the fact that your pussy's so wet. And then I want you to take that moisture and I want you to put it in a bucket. 
I want you to just collect as much pussy juice as you can in that bucket. And then I want you to take that bucket down to my house. Yeah, that's right, bitch. Take that bucket down to my house, bitch. And I want you to drop it off in my front door, grub up style. And then I'm going to take it inside my house. And I'm going to put it on inside my inside my freezer so I can use it as stock later for when I'm making a, some sort of chicken soup out of pussy pussy chicken soup dish that I want to eat I love some chicken soup pussy dish and, and, and having a nice stock for that pussy juice chicken noodles I want to put my noodle up in that strudel Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.